0: this is the rush life podcast where we talk about how youth sports impact our lives and the journey families take when their kids play youth soccer with your host richie gray hello thank you for listening to the very first episode of the rush life yeah i know i already released a trailer but this is actually my very first episode I'm Richie Gray, the executive director at Florida Rush, and hopefully you just dropped your kids off at practice, you're sitting in your car, and you decided to tune in and see what's happening in the club. As I'm recording this episode, we're just starting the 2021 season. I don't think I'm alone when I say that I'm really excited to be starting a new season. Even with all the COVID protocols, at least we're playing soccer again. Today marks five months since all of youth soccer came to a screeching halt As it stands today, some regions in the U.S. are calling for closure of all youth sports programs, which I think is a terrible idea. Youth clubs, high schools, college athletics, they're all under a lot of pressure, and honestly no one has a crystal ball to know what's going to happen in the future. There's a lot of uncertainty around sports these days. So with all the uncertainty and the constant changes happening in our club, I thought that now would be a good time to start the Rush Life podcast. Both youth sports and Florida Rush are topics that I'm really passionate about. So on this first episode, I wanted to spend some time to introduce myself and share a little bit about this journey that I've been on for the last 20 years. I've had the unique perspective of being a parent on the sideline, a volunteer coach, a board member, and the executive director for the last 12 years. I've had four kids that have come through the club soccer system, two boys and two girls, I feel like I can relate to parents in our club because I've been in your shoes. Plus, I've been involved on the business side of soccer for nearly 12 years now. So a little bit about myself. I'm 54 years old, I'm a native Floridian, and I've lived in the Dr. Phillips area pretty much my whole life. I've been happily married to my wife Carrie for 19 years, and when we got married we had a blended family with four kids under the age of 10. Today my kids are all grown up, Some of them have started their own families, and now I'm a young grandpa, and I got to tell you, I love being a grandpa. It's definitely a lot easier than parenting, and it's definitely way more fun. (laughs) I can't even imagine being quarantined with our four kids. I think Carrie and I would have gone crazy for sure. Professionally, I spent the first 16 years of my career as a mechanical contractor. I own a couple of small businesses, and like I said, I've been the executive director here since 2008. Unlike a lot of my colleagues in youth soccer, I did not grow up playing soccer. However, I did play sports a lot when I was a kid in my neighborhood, and I played organized football from the time I was 12 years old all the way through high school. I may not have played soccer growing up, but let me tell you, I played sports almost every day. You see, my parents moved to Dr. Phillips in 1971, so when I was a kid, that area looked totally different than it does today. Disney World was just opening, SeaWorld was just getting under construction, and there was no Universal Studios or Restaurant Row. When we moved into our house, the neighborhood was still being developed. We had a combination of new homes under construction, plus a bunch of roads that led to vacant lots. Outside of our neighborhood, we were surrounded by woods and orange groves as far as you could see. It's hard to believe today... But Central Florida used to have orange groves on every corner. Growing up, I didn't have a computer or a mobile device, and the only time I played video games was at the arcade. As a kid, I spent most of my day outdoors and in my neighborhood. Luckily for me, I loved being outdoors, riding my bike and roaming the neighborhood, just looking for things to do. And listen, I wasn't alone. I think it was because Disney had just opened. But we had a lot of families with kids in our neighborhood and we were all in the same boat. So playing sports was something that me and my friends did all the time. Now keep in mind, we didn't have sports complexes and there was no schools like there are today. So typically we ended up playing pickup football games on a vacant lot or basketball in my friend's driveway. If we didn't have enough players to form teams, then we would spend hours just playing catch in the street or shooting hoops. And if we weren't playing sports with a ball, then we'd go swimming in the lakes or race our bikes in the woods and build ramps to see who could jump the furthest. I'm not kidding you when I say that I was literally always outside and I was always playing some kind of sport. It wasn't until I turned 12 years old that I was first introduced to organized sports. I played American football at the Pine Hills Boys and Girls Club. I loved being a part of a team, and I always look forward to going to practice during the week and playing games on Saturdays. Coach Howard was my first coach. He was a great coach for me because he pushed me really hard and he demanded a lot, but he was also a very good teacher, and I always felt like he cared about me. The first year I played football, I was a starting nose guard on defense, plus, I was the designated punter for the team. I loved playing nose guard and being in the middle of the action on defense. That was a lot of fun. (laughs) <laughs> I, can't, I, ever, I can't tell you that I love being the punter. To be honest, being the punter was super stressful because of all the pressure. All I wanted to do was get rid of that ball as fast as I could. But as much as I disliked punting the ball, looking back on it today, I think it was probably pretty good for me because it did teach me how to deal with pressure and think quick on my feet. And I think that Coach Howard must have noticed that in me because the second year when he invited me to play for his team, He told me that he would like for me to try playing quarterback. I remember telling him, Coach, I like playing nose guard. I don't know anything about playing quarterback. But he said, you know, I think you'll be good at it, Richie. I'll teach you everything that you need to know, and I'd just like for you to give it a try. I was pretty nervous when I took that first snap, but sure enough, Coach was right, and I ended up being pretty good at it. Then, as it turned out, I continued playing quarterback all the way through Pop Warner Middle School and High School. Playing football was so much fun. I have so many great memories from that time of my life. I'm really happy that I listened to my coach because I don't think that I would have played quarterback if it wasn't for his encouragement. But as much as I love playing quarterback, by the time I reached my senior year in high school, I was only 5'9 and 150 pounds. Unfortunately for me, the kids that I was playing against had gotten much bigger, faster, and stronger. No matter how hard I worked, it was just too much for me to overcome, and that's when my playing football days ended. I was pretty sad at first, but life happens, things don't always go your way, and sometimes you just have to accept the cards you're dealt. I share my stories of when I was a kid because playing sports taught me so many life skills that honestly have served me well my entire life. Skills like being disciplined, and how to control my emotions, and why being healthy is even important. Success requires hard work, and I learned when playing sports that hard work will take you a long way when you lack skills and experience. As I've gotten older, I've definitely learned to work smarter, but there's been so many times throughout my life that working hard is what actually got me where I needed to be. Playing sports also taught me about teamwork. Today's workplace can be very demanding and requires a lot of teamwork. You have to have the ability to endure pain and push yourself really hard. I think that playing sports is one of the best teachers for those kind of life skills. And playing sports also taught me that life isn't always fair. Sometimes things happen that are out of your control, like the weather or the referee makes a bad call. And when that happens, you just have to learn to accept it and move on. So looking back, I can honestly say that playing sports had a huge impact on my life. Not only did I have a lot of great memories, but I had so much fun when it was happening. Even today, almost 50 years later, some of the things that bring me the most joy in life, like riding my bike or hiking through nature, fishing and snow skiing, they're all sports related. And that's something as parents and community leaders, we have to make sure that we keep youth sports fun. Otherwise, we're just going to continue to see kids dropping out of sports younger and younger, and I think that's really bad for society as a whole. So now that I've shared with you why I'm so passionate about playing sports, let's fast forward from when I was a kid to 1999 when Carrie and I had four kids under the age of 10. (laughs) Trust me when I tell you those are some good years for me to fast forward through. And if you're a parent listening to me right now, then you know that raising four kids under the age of 10 is not easy. And raising four kids in a blended family, it's even harder. So when we were looking for things to keep our kids busy and productive after school, getting them to play sports was the first thing that came to mind. Luckily, we lived within walking distance of the Dr. Phillips YMCA, and that's where I was introduced to youth soccer for the first time. You see, before Carrie and I got married... All of our kids had played different sports a little bit, but soccer was the one sport that all four kids loved to play. At the time, I loved soccer too, because it burned up so much of our kids' energy. Plus, I also enjoyed being a parent on the sidelines. During our first season, our coach kept running into a lot of conflicts, and he started missing practice. So he asked me if I'd be willing to help out as an assistant coach. I didn't know much about soccer, But I did know more than a 10-year-old, and I love being with the kids, so I said, sure, why not? Little did I know how much I was going to love coaching soccer, nor did I realize how much youth soccer was going to change my life in the future. But that's where my youth soccer journey began. Now keep in mind, for the purpose of this podcast, I'm condensing years into minutes. But over the course of the next seven or eight years, I continued to coach our daughter's team, Both of our boys were recruited into competitive soccer, and I found myself getting more and more involved in club soccer. I mean, from registration to building teams, recruiting coaches, organizing coach clinics, distributing uniforms, scheduling, lining the field, setting up the goals, you name it, I did it at some point. Over time, my commitment and hard work to the club was noticed, and they asked me to join the board of directors. I was honored to serve on the board and be a part of the leadership team. Around that same time, youth soccer started to evolve and the business of soccer started demanding more out of clubs. Merging organizations and consolidating resource was a common topic of conversation for several years. Multiple times we met with other local club leaders to talk about merging and everybody always said it was a good idea, But unfortunately, the first two questions other clubs would always ask was, what are we going to call the club and what uniforms are going to wear? Not only did that drive me crazy, but it didn't make sense to me. If it's a good idea, why can't we figure that part out later? Why do we have to start with those two questions? So by the year 2007... I had been to the Merging Clubs Rodeo enough times to know that we needed to bypass these first two questions whenever we decided to talk to any club about merging. To do this, we decided to put together the framework for the no-name soccer club with invisible uniforms. (laughs) That was my file name, and the first two questions were already answered. We mapped out all the benefits of clubs working together, and our strategy was to get clubs to the table talk to them about all the potential upside for our clubs, and then we could decide the name of the club and pick uniforms later down the line. Ironically, later that same year, I was taking a coaching course in Virginia. While I was attending, I noticed that the instructors leading the course pulled up in a minivan with Rush Soccer logoed on the side. I'd never heard of Rush Soccer, but I did find it really interesting that they had a commercial club vehicle that looked really professional and impressive. I started doing a little research. I learned that they were a growing national organization that supported youth clubs with branding and intellectual property and best practices. They offered statewide licensing agreements for a fee and Florida happened to be available. And that's when the light started going off in my head. National affiliation, intellectual property, Nike uniforms, best practices. (laughs) Oh man, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Florida Rush could be a perfect fit for our no-name soccer club. It had all the ingredients that we needed to bring the local clubs together. So that's exactly what I did. I reached out to three of the biggest soccer clubs in our area, which were Central Florida United, FC America, and United, and I organized a meeting for us to meet with Rush Soccer. I reached out to Tim Schultz, the CEO of Rush Soccer, and I bought him a plane ticket to Orlando out of my own pocket. To his credit, he came down, he stayed overnight in my son's room, and the next day we met with the local clubs to learn more about Rush soccer. The meeting went really well. Tim talked about Rush's vision and he answered all of our questions. Then afterwards, he went back to Colorado, and locally we took a few days to think about it. A week or so later, we all got together again and we shared our thoughts and pros and cons of the situation. Both Central Florida United and FC America, they liked the idea, but they weren't ready to join yet. Luckily for me, Jim Powell at Inter United Soccer saw Rush as a great opportunity, so the next season, we decided to join forces, and Florida Rush became the 21st Rush Soccer Club, and I was hired as the executive director. That's a true story. In the beginning, when our clubs first joined forces, Florida Rush was a much smaller club. We had around 400 registered players and two full-time employees to manage the daily operations. Our club consisted of two programs. The majority of our players were on competitive teams, and we had a small recreational program with around 90 players. In addition to this being my full-time job, my two boys were still playing in the club, and I was a team manager, so... Just like you, I was at the field 3 or 4 times a week for practice, plus games on the weekends and tournament on, you know, tournaments on lots of the holidays. At that time, no other clubs in our area had ever done anything like this before. So everybody was watching us to see how things were going to work out. Combining players that first year, we had 3 teams that won state cup champions. That was a big deal for us and as a result, Florida Rush made a big splash statewide. Over the last 12 years, Florida Rush has grown a lot. Today, we have nearly 2,000 players registered. We run 16 different programs, and I manage nine full-time employees, plus another 30 contractor coaches. My youngest son graduated from the club in 2013, and I'm not coaching teams anymore. My role has changed over the years, and I'm not at the fields like I used to be, so as a result, I don't get to interact with the families like I used to. For sure, today I know a lot more about youth soccer than I did 20 years ago when I started. Youth sports is now a much bigger business. Today we have MLS right in our backyard with Orlando City. Expectations are higher than they've ever been before, and the opportunity for our players to develop their skills has never been better. I'm really excited about the future for Florida Rush. Plus, now I'm a grandpa and I've got another generation of soccer players in the pipeline. <laughs> I plan to stay involved for many years to come. Well, there you have it. 20 years in 20 minutes. <laughs> I think this is probably the longest that I've talked about myself ever. It's been an amazing journey so far and I feel really blessed to have a job that I love and the opportunity to impact so many families' lives. I want you to know that the staff at Florida rush genuinely care about our club and we work hard every day to do the best job that we can. We're facing some really tough times at the moment, but I'm confident that when we get to the other side of this pandemic, that our club is going to be better than ever before. So thank you for joining me. You've been listening to the rush life podcast. If you like the show, hit the subscribe so you can make sure you get the next episode and share it with your friends. And if you're feeling like you want to give a little feedback, five stars, make sure that you leave a review because it helps people to find the show. I hope that you'll join me again next week, and I think that's going to do it for episode one. Hi everyone. Thanks for listening to The Rush Life. To subscribe to the podcast, check out other episodes, and keep up to date, head over to www.rushlife.club. And if you would like to learn more about Florida Rush Soccer, you can visit us on our website at www.floridarushsoccer.com.